And there came a time known as the third millennium, a time when the people of the earth were ravaged by disease, pestilence, and poisons, a time when the horsemen of the apocalypse ran the multinational corporations, a time when America's citizens were waking up to a future of no money and no jobs, a time when a special man came forward a man that your American taskmasters did not want you to see or hear. A man whom they took prisoner and hid away. A man whose name is Yahweh Ben Yahweh. For telling people the truth, Yahweh Ben Yahweh was taken prisoner by the minions of darkness. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. I'm on your host, D7. And I am the other host, Kate Rambo. Hello. Kate Rambo, uh... What are your plans for the Super Bowl? Well, considering I'm British and that the Super Bowl doesn't exist here, I will be sleeping or not caring about the Super Bowl. Are you going to be making yourself uh, your world-famous nachos? Oh, do you know what? I've not had nachos in such a long time, but now you've said it, guess what? I'm just going to be thinking about this whole fucking episode. I actually gave up crisps this week, so that was a particularly cruel jibe that you just gave at me. Oh, you should give up crisp right before the Super Bowl. That's like the, I don't know, it's a staple. I've just realized this week that I've not only cut out crisps, I've also cut out beer. And as of next week, I'm cutting out refined sugar. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I doing this? You cannot go to a Super Bowl party without crisps and beer being like omnipresent. I think, uh, I don't know what, yeah, you would, you would be horrified. You'd have to renounce your, uh, your diet here. Yeah, all the uh, Super Bowl parties that I'm invited to and all the Super Bowl parties that you're invited to. <laughs> Do you think, okay, next year when you move here and you'll get to celebrate the Super Bowl in the United States, do you think you're going to be one of those women that just gets super into football? No, because I, I would have had my shot at it. I've told you, the only sport I like is uh, wrestling circa about the years 1997 to 2007. Those 10 years are the greatest in sport history. Anything other than that, I don't really care You never about. know, Although I do like female gymnastics. You never know. You might move here, and uh, all of a sudden you'll start getting really into MAGA, and you'll get really America. into Budweiser beer, and you're going to be one of those girls that just wears like football jerseys and goes to sports bars. And the funny thing about, about women when they get into, I mean, whatever. Plenty of women know way more about football than I do. I'll readily admit that. But I find it really funny when you see women who just overcompensate. Because it's like, you know, women aren't supposed to be, you know, men, men will mansplain football to women, but then women will overcompensate because they know so much more about football and then get crazy about it. It is really funny when it's, when you see like a female fanatical football fan. I've always thought if I was gonna, gonna get into an American sport, it would always be baseball. Baseball is kind of romantic to me. There's some romance included with baseball. I like the fact it's like, six hours long you sat in the baking sun and you could so, just eat hot dogs 
It is so boring, and it's one of the worst sports to see live because, yes, you're seeing there just – I can feel my skin just melting. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a baseball fan. I've been to a couple games, hated every second of it. I've hated any live – actually, I hate all sports, put it that way. Um, I, if I had to choose, I probably would go to an NFL game because they're shorter typically. But even then, it's, it's an unbearable experience. Um, but you'll see. You know, next year, you're going to get all crazy with the football. You're going to be wearing a, wearing a jersey, probably painting your face, making a seven-layer bean dip, screaming no, at the TV. I'm not getting behind the seven-layer bean dip. I, crushing I cans beans. against your forehead, just bam, and throwing them on the ground. I can do that anyways. Um, Super Bowl 56 is tomorrow, Sunday. Uh, February 13th in Los Angeles. And even crazier, it's Los Angeles' home team, the Rams, playing the Bengals. This is, we definitely talked about this on the second show. I don't think you can call them your home team when you just bought them from like Delaware or whatever. You're like, oh, your team's stuck in there. We'll just buy you and now you're ours. No, That's not how it works in British football. My God. The, the franchise moved. I mean, there's been a few teams. The, the Raiders were uh, LA Raiders for a bit. Then there were the Rams. Actually, were the Los Angeles Rams. Then they moved to St. Louis. Then they came back to LA now. And then I'd there's be also the to Chargers. See if ever been a team that's never moved, and it has always been like I don't yeah. know the Buffalo Spurs, yeah, or Green whatever. Bay Packers, the Detroit right. Lions. There's some teams that will. But anyway, what's interesting about uh, about the Rams? is that my favorite football team is the Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions won one game this season. They almost went winless. Um, they're, they're a terrible team. And the quarterback for the Detroit Lions was Matthew Stafford. But Matthew Stafford got traded last year for the quarterback of the Rams. And so now it's kind of funny because Matthew Stafford is, might win the Super Bowl tomorrow, his first year as quarterback for the LA Rams. And the quarterback for uh, Detroit, Jared Goff, had won one game. Would you be pissed off if you were that guy? Yeah. I'd be like, my career was cursed. I would just be like, fuck you, dude. I had to move to Michigan. I'd have to play games in Detroit. It's fucking cold here because he was in Los Angeles before. And Matthew Stafford's like, fuck Michigan. Fuck Detroit. And now he's in Los Angeles living in like Bel Air or something and about to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I would. Well, I, I hope Jared Goff tries to assassinate him. I do like his name, Jared Goff. Goff. Does he look like a Goff? No, it's G-O-F-F, but he does look like a G-O-F-F Goff. That's how, well, that's what we call him over here. We call him Goffs. Goffs. Also mm-hmm. the same as in the Goff character in um, Peacemaker, my new favorite TV show. I don't even remember who the Goff character is in that. Is that that little Asian guy? You'll see. You know who it is. It's the, uh, I don't want to give spoilers away in case people aren't watching it. It's the, the one of the butterflies, isn't it? Oh, okay, okay. Now I know who you're talking about. Um, anyway, the city is ridiculous this weekend because everyone's freaking out because the Super Bowl is here in Los Angeles and the Rams are playing. But it is ridiculous, and there's tons of people out and about. In fact, the rapper Kodak Black got shot outside of uh, Justin Bieber's after party last night. Uh, just around the corner from where I live on La Cienega, in some place called the Nice Guy Club. He was just standing in the street, 245, full-on drive-by, got shot like six times. You know what? I'd want to be shot coming out of a Justin Bieber party as well because I'd want to die of embarrassment of ever <laughs> having been to a Justin Bieber party. It is funny. There's a, it, Around here, Like, there's all these like douche 
douchebag like bar restaurant places in Hollywood the... in Los Angeles. There's douchebags. You don't say. No, it's these particular restaurants. No, there's tons of douchebags everywhere, but these restaurants you don't really see them in like Silver Lake or Echo Park as much. But all around West Hollywood area, it's like these little like the Nice Guy Club. And they charge like $26 for a Jack and Coke. And they serve food. They're all like bar restaurants. But there's a ton of them. So he must have like rented out this place and uh, just had his after party because I guess he was performing somewhere around here. But I think this will be the first of many shootings this weekend. Um, Let's hope so. Yeah, I I do think so. Well, Sophie Stadium, which is the new football stadium that that, uh, they built here in Los Angeles, is in Inglewood. If you you recall (laughs) who's from Inglewood... Uh, you got, uh, you know, N.W.A., Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, all that, that, that whole that whole crew is from that area. And the halftime show for the Super Bowl 56 here will feature Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, and Eminem, along with two deaf rappers that uh, we talk about on, uh, did we talk about them on the second show or, or news or both? Uh, uh, Probably both, both, I think, because I do very good impression. Yeah, you can both. hear Kate Rambo's very hurtful impression of uh, deaf rappers. I do a great um, impression of deaf people. I'm not yeah. going to give it away for free now. It's behind a paywall. I'll get canceled. It As Harrison would say, punching down. Um, <laughs> or as I say, punching down syndrome people, which is what Kate <laughs> loves to do. Um, but anyway, yeah, they, they're going to be doing the halftime show. And I, I think it's kind of, I mean, I bet you it'll be kind of funny, mainly because it'll be people my age that will just be sitting there like singing all the lyrics. It's like, because they're all dads now that listen to this music. Yeah, you know, I don't That's think true. the youngsters listen to this, listen to these Dr. Dre anymore. These youngsters who listen to this, this rap. That I don't I think hear. the youngsters, they're not listening to uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Maybe Kendrick Lamar. Do you know Definitely you not Eminem. Be so judgmental like that, because you don't know. Well, I don't know, but I'm thinking they don't. I'm just, I, I think it's mostly people in their mid-40s that are like putting, white guys putting on Eminem albums. Right, and, and, and singing along. Anyway, as I mentioned before, there are no Super Bowl parties for me this weekend. No one, and not a single invite to a Super Bowl party. That doesn't surprise me. I'm crushed. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking about this. I really don't have too many friends that have Super Bowl parties. And the ones that do don't really want me around their friends or family, I think. And I, that's totally, under- yeah. totally understandable. I- yeah, I get you know? it too. I mean, uh, I've ruined a few in my time. I've been to a couple good ones. Wackerly's, uh, I don't remember what it was that, like 2006, had one of the most memorable Super Bowl parties I've ever been to. Um, that was great. I th- we've talked about it on the show many times. We have talked about that. Yeah, he like had this whole spread of food and no one showed up. It was just me and him. And then I think uh, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time showed up and was just like, wow, this is the lamest Super Bowl party I've ever seen. And I'm like, shut up, woman. Eat your nachos. Um, but yeah, so people... Stop talking about nachos. You don't have to be no. envious of me and my lack of Super Bowl parties. This could be you. You could be disinvited from your friends and family Super Bowl parties, especially your in-laws Super Bowl parties. You too God, I hope so. could be disinvited. And it's not that hard. I mean, well, there's a couple ways to do this. You could be a drunk asshole who whips your cock out at the kitchen table and asks if anyone wants stuffing. You could do that. Hey. You'll definitely get disinvited that way. Or you could be a bit more subtle and discuss the crimes of your favorite NFL criminals, murderers, and domestic abusers. 
Here we go. That's what you can do. And you can start, you know, I, I, would, I would ease into it. Start with the famous ones. And then we gradually migrate, move to the more obscure. I recommend focusing on maybe one or two and then describe their crimes in graphic detail while just shoving seven-layer bean dip in your mouth. Like, you know, keep talking while you're eating and just keep talking about, like, you know, O.J. Simpson, for example. O.J. Oh, here. he's the most famous. Probably Paul James, here he is. O.J. Simpson, definitely the most famous NFL killer. Um, if, if the gloves don't fit, you can't acquit. You must acquit. No, or you, you must, must acquit. acquit. Yeah, yeah. If the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. You must acquit. Get the right um, OJ was accused of murdering his wife and uh, her lover. Uh, he was found not guilty, miraculously. Yeah, but in the civil court, he was found guilty. <laughs> he was also found, yeah, he was found guilty in a wrongful death suit filed by the victim's family. He was also, was, wasn't he like, didn't he actually end up serving time for uh, menacing for some, yeah, menacing some guy who bought OJ memorabilia? Not menacing, he tried to rob him. This he said he claimed that this guy had stolen loads of merchandise from him and other sports stars. So he went there to go and get it back. Yeah. And then he went to jail for that. And now he's on Twitter with the rest of us. Yeah, you know, he's out, out and about now. Um maybe we should get a maybe we should get an interview. Um, Michael Vick, probably another one of the more famous NFL criminals here. Look at that sad dog. It is a sad dog. Oh, all those scars on his little face. Vic's NFL you know, career came to a halt in 2007 after he pled guilty for his involvement in a dog fighting ring. Terrible. Yeah, movie. I can't remember this guy. I, I don't like I, you know, if it's got if it's a footballer kicking a cat, I, that's like, you know, where I draw the line. I just can't read these news stories or anything like that. Oh, it was it was awful. I and mean, Michael Vick's probably one of the more famous NFL quarterbacks. I mean, he's a really gifted player, but what an asshole. Spent 21 months in federal prison, um, and his arrest and subsequent conviction garnered him notoriety with the general public, uh, which lasted through the rest of his career. However, he did make a comeback, even after like butchering, I don't know, hundreds of dogs. Um, he ended up uh, making a comeback and played again in the NFL. Uh, another high-profile NFL killer, Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez. Uh, yes. He was an American football tight end and convicted murderer. He actually did play in the Super Bowl um, with the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, he was good. He was actually a really good player. Uh, but his career came to an abrupt end after his arrest and conviction for the murder of Odin Lloyd. He's a lot like Chris Benoit, though. He had so many like bumps to the noggin that his brain was like just like jelly. Yeah. Look at he his wasn't head. a criminal mastermind. His head even looks misshapen. You know what business. I've always hated about Aaron Hernandez, and I hyper-focus on it, is always his hairline. Because it looks like a helmet. It looks like the man is wearing a helmet of hair before he even puts a helmet on. Yeah, I don't understand how you even get that hair. So is that a fade? Like, what, what kind of hairstyle no, is that? it's just so straight. But uh, you know what? Fuck him. I don't know. You know, they say that uh, he was like a gay dude or something in, uh, in they prison. They do. I don't, I don't know if he still was or if he always was or something. Um, but yes, I, I do think he had some major brain damage. And the crime he committed was just ridiculous. I mean, it was just, it made no sense to what, what, he, what he did and how he tried to cover it up. Uh, but yeah, he, I think he uh, committed suicide in prison as well. He did, yeah. Um, another famous kind of high profile one, but getting, getting to the point of becoming more obscure is Ray Lewis, who also played in the Super Bowl. 
uh, with the Ravens. There he is, Ray Lewis. Uh, he was arrested for two counts of first-degree murder after he was involved in a brawl that led to the stabbing and death of one of the people involved. He pled uh, guilty to obstruction of justice, and the charges were dropped. Uh, famously, he was wearing a white suit that was just covered in blood that he dumped Ooh. in like a garbage can inside a park. He just threw it out, and they found it. Uh, it was covered in blood, and he was he was just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And the people that he was with who did do the stabbing also were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He ended up getting off, acquitted uh, for self-defense. Um, really? Yeah. Shit. And he settled for an undisclosed amount with the victim's family, which tends to happen with these type of high-profile NFL murders. Um, but yeah, he, he made a comeback too, played in the Super Bowl. Now, this guy, I think, is a perfect candidate uh, to ruin a Super Bowl party. If you go into into graphic detail about his crimes, the crimes of Ray Carruth, I think you'll definitely alienate yourself and probably not get invited back. So Ray Carruth's girlfriend, the woman who was carrying his baby, she was like eight months pregnant, I think, at the time. He asked her to get a divorce, and she said no. I mean, she was also like seven or eight months pregnant. Um, so... He um, hired a hitman to shoot her four times in a drive-by shooting. Now, keep in mind, she was pregnant, seven months pregnant at this point, and she was shot four times in a drive-by shooting. However, she survived long enough to call 911. Good for her. Yeah, and report the crime. She described to the dispatchers that Carruth pulled up in front of her, stopped his car so she could not move, like he boxed her in. The assailants then drove up next to her and shot her four times. Uh, Carruth received an 18 to 24 year sentence for his involvement in the crime. Um, I believe he's still in prison. However, I, I was reading as I was uh, doing some research, his son, the unborn son, um, Chancellor Lee, he's 21 years old, just graduated high school. He has permanent brain damage and cerebral palsy owing to the uh, chaotic cir- circumstances of his birth in 1999. Well, that's a really shit hit, man. You either do the job properly or don't do it at all. I would demand my money back. I'm amazed that, uh, yeah, I don't know if he was like, if the hitman's like, well, you didn't tell me to kill the unborn child. Why? Instead of shooting at her, you shoot at her stomach, don't you? Because you you don't necessarily want to kill her. He's wanting to kill the baby that he doesn't want to pay alimony for. And you never know. You might be able to I would just be like, dude, shoot at the stomach. I don't see how you could miss. I mean, aren't you when you're like, pregnant. yeah, aren't you big yeah. as a house at that point? It's like, I'm amazed at uh, just a uh, bad aim or something. I'm not sure. Anyway, if I was Chancellor Lee, I would hate my father. But yeah, go into detail about um, the crimes of Ray Carruth and they're going to love you at the Super Bowl party. <laughs> and then uh, also there's Randall Woodfield, who is the only white guy on this list here. Uh, but he played for the Green Bay Packers in 1974, and then a few years later went on a brutal murder spree, killing up to 44 people. I think they called him the I-5 killer at the time. So uh, another famous serial killer that played in the NFL. And then the subject of uh, our intro today is another one, very obscure, but also very entertaining, to share the uh, the crimes of at a uh, Super Bowl party. Robert Rozier. Um Unfortunately, Robert Rozier's uh, criminal activity surpasses his time as a defensive end for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, he was only really an NFL player for about two years. But then, uh, you know, he uh, followed that career uh, with a gig as a serial killer. Um, he joined a cult called uh, Yahweh Ben Yahweh's Secret Brotherhood, and uh, he proved himself to be a killer of the white devil 
and even offered up body parts of seven victims in a show of devotion to the cult leader, Yahweh Ban, Ben Yahweh. Was um, it like the witches in Macbeth? He had to come back each time with a different body. Oh, wait, are they building a man with no, it hair was, and a No, it tan? was the same body parts, the ears. The ears of the, the white ears. devil, as he wanted. What, so, oh, is it like Dolph Lundgren in Universal Soldier? It's making They're a making necklace. They're making a necklace. Making a necklace, oh, that's, yes. That's very nice. And who wouldn't want a necklace of white men's ears? Ears of oh, the white I devil. Um, Rozier's career as a murderer ended, ended with him getting a 22-year prison sentence. Uh, but he only served 10 years before being released into the witness protection program because he is a snitch. Snitch. He's a stool pigeon. He's a snitchy snitch. Say. So we're going to get into the story of Robert Rozier. And people, feel free to take notes because you can discuss this in detail tomorrow and just entertain the entire um, football watching audience. And you might not even get invited back next year. That's, that's a good thing. Especially take note if you're going to be going to your in-laws Super Bowl party. <laughs> so Robert Rozier here, um, born July 28th, 1955 in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, he was a United States Air Force brat, moved around a lot with his family. Um, he, uh, his family eventually settled at, uh, in Rancho Cordova, California, and he attended Cordova High School. Um, smart guy. He had a 1.32 grade point average. Never received his high school diploma. Well, then he's not a smart guy then. I'm being sarcastic. Not a very yeah. smart guy. But however, I think 1.3... I don't... Sorry, I'm British, so I don't understand what a 1.32 grade point it's, average it's means. It's very low. Is it's it? It's very low, okay. yeah. It's it's out of four. But this way, I, I think I graduated... Oh, with a, right. I graduated with a 3.96. Not trying to brag. <laughs> Not trying to brag. Um, but no, 1.32 is pretty low. I don't think you're really going to get into many colleges. Community college, maybe. But I think it's actually kind of high for the NFL. Um, <laughs> terrible joke. That was mean. That was mean. Punching downs again. You're pun- you are punching downs again. Not unlike my great impression of deaf people. People, you don't want to hear it. It's very hurtful. It's very so, good. At Cordova High School, Rozier was an athletic wunderkind. Now, he was very ta- a very talented athlete. Um, he played American football as a defensive end. He was all league, all conference, all Northern California. And not only that, he could uh, high jump six feet, uh, six feet, seven inches, and a vertical jump 10 feet, sprint the 40-yard dash in 4.7 seconds. And as a teenager, he could bench press 375 pounds. Quite an athlete. Yeah, so you know what? He may not be, like, book smart or, like, you know, word smart. Lots of people aren't. But he's, you know, he can do thing, all that shit I can't fucking do. Gifted athlete, definitely. And I think, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys are, and I think they put more emphasis on their athletic ability and training than they do on their, you know, um, academic education. Um, so he was passed over to play football at, um, at, initially when he applied for colleges because he didn't have a high school diploma, not even a GED. It's like, dude, go get your GED. It's not that hard. But he didn't have one. However, Grays Harbor College in Aberdeen, Washington is like, you don't need a high school diploma to go to college. Come well, study Aberdeen's, here. Aberdeen's the town where Kurt Cobain first tried to kill himself in. So yeah. know, I'd be yeah. like, weighing that up. Do I want to go to the town where Kurt Cobain like, became so depressed he wanted to die? Um, I'll stay here. I just think it's funny that uh, any college would be like, oh, you don't need to graduate high school to come here. It's like, just who cares? Just come yeah. on. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure you learn something. 
Um, at Aberdeen, he played football at, a, in a, at the Grays Harbor College. And from there, he was recruited by the University of California, Berkeley's football coach, Mike White, as a defensive end. Now, Berkeley is probably one of the more esteemed institutions here uh, in the United States. And so it is kind of funny how they're like, yeah, we'll just recruit this guy. He doesn't have a high school diploma, but don't say anything about it. We're going to let him graduate with an African-American studies major. He can, he can major in African-American studies, but he's going to be playing football for us because he's a gifted that, athlete. Yeah. I mean, that is African-American studies. If he's black and playing football, then he's basically studying himself getting better at football. Well, I, uh, I, I often wonder. I mean, African-American studies, I'm sure, is a... Uh, you know, a major that they have at different schools. But it is funny with these guys that play college sports. They don't care about, you know, getting a uh, college degree in anything, really. Some do. Some do. Some some go on even to get their master's after playing football. But most of them are just kind of like, no, I'm getting the, – the university isn't paying me, per se, to play, but they're giving me, like, cars and paying my rent to live in these nice condos. And uh, because they're bringing in so much money – for the school, like University of Michigan, you know, has one of the you know hugest Big Ten uh, football football teams. So I noticed when I was in school there. I mean, fucking uh, Brady played for University of Michigan. I'm sure he got many hookups. But when I was school in school there, there were certain classes you could take that the athletes took. And so I needed a science credit because I was in I was what broadcast communications in English. And so I needed a science credit, but I didn't want to take like. Dad. Well, I, you had to take like a certain level of like science, maths, and whatever. But I didn't want to take like oceanography or something difficult. I did initially because I'd heard that people are like, oh, no, you got to sign up for the oceans class because that's what all the, the athletes babes. take. Well, they're like, that's what all the athletes take. So it's really easy. So I signed up for oceanography. Not an easy class. Very difficult. You have to like have a, a chem background in chemistry and you have to do it. So I dropped out of oceanography and then signed up for oceans. Which is just a ridiculous what? course. Yeah, oceans. I, I didn't know. I, th I thought they said it was oceanography, but they meant oceans. Oceans was just a class for athletes. It's like you didn't even really have to go. And when you went, they just showed you like videos of oceans. Like we would watch films of different oceans. It, it was a it's, it's basically a fake Did they show course. you oceans 11, oceans 12, oceans 13? I don't Is that what they showed you? I don't recall that, but I never really went to class along with all the other athletes. I think it was just one of those fake classes so people could get science credits. But I remember that you had to show up the first day. Because if you didn't show up the first day, yeah. then they would, they would, yeah, and then you weren't registered. So the first day, I remember I showed up at, uh, well, I went to Oceanography, quit out of that one, and then signed up for uh, Oceans instead. Went to Oceans on the first day, just all these famous athletes. And it was at the time when like the Fab Five was playing at Michigan. People remember this. Like, um, was it Jalen Rose, Tyrone uh, Wheatley? Uh, I didn't see Brady in that one, but just all these famous football players. I just noticed because they were really large people. And I'm like, oh, I imagine there must, must be some famous people in here. But they just showed up for the first day and then the last day to take the test. <laughs> You know, a lot of people uh, give me shtick for, I was in art school for seven years and I have like a contemporary culture degree. I get shtick for that. But at no point during my contemporary culture degree did I have to undertake any studies that was just simply titled Oceans. Oceans, yeah. That was probably the Oceans. easiest class I took at the University of Michigan. But I mean, whatever, I needed to graduate along with these guys. I think there's just a lot of classes like this that are geared towards athletes. And then they just kind of sign up and basically 
I don't even, I think they show up, they reg, so they're registered and they show up on the last day and then probably the teacher just gives them a name. Yeah, they're like, what have you learned about oceans, boys? Uh, they're wet. It's a great movie. Um, six foot three inch, 240 pound Bob Rozier was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the ninth round of the 1979 NFL draft. He only played for six games, didn't start for a single one of them. So he wasn't that great of an NFL player. Um, his professional sports career in the States was derailed by allegations of drug abuse and petty crime. Nice. Um, so then he moved on to the Canadian Football League. Playing <laughs> they'd for the, have him. Well, that's typically what happens. You, you have to go play for the Canadian Football League. or What was the one that Vince McMahon started? The XFL. The XFL, which I thought was really good, and I watched, and I liked the concept of that, and if that had continued on, I would have been a fan of. It's like Australian rules football. Make it more, make it more bloody. Come on. Yeah, and then it was supposed to be like extreme football, but didn't really go anywhere. I thought there was an LA team, though, that Gene Simmons owned. Can you remember when the WWF was so fucking massive and so fucking huge that they had the WWF bar in New York? When I was 15, my goal was to go to that fucking bar to watch wrestling in. Um, um, Kate, I hate to let you in on a, on a secret here, but it's not real. Yes, it is. Wrestling is real and life it's is not fake. real. <laughs> wrestling is real. Where's John Steele when I need him? Um, Steele, yeah, you're going to end up like Steele. If you uh, don't admit, if you don't accept the truth that wrestling is not real, <laughs> so uh, Rozier moved to uh, Canada, played for the Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but guy. then he made it back to the U.S. and signed with the Oakland Raiders, uh, but only for about two weeks. So while playing football in Canada, apparently he wrote bad checks for twenty to thirty thousand dollars. Which uh, by twenty twenty standards, around like between fifty and seventy thousand dollars. What was he buying? Like cars and stuff. I don't know. He was just Priuses. writing bad checks everywhere. Back when people used to use checks. Uh, by the mid eighties, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police issued thirty two warrants for fraud against uh, Bob Rozier here. I don't know if they could catch him on their their horses <laughs> with those, those those hats, those cute little mounty hats. I need to get one of those. Um, so anyway, he wasn't doing too well. Life was kind of spiraling here for Bob Rozier. Um, his stint in the Canadian Football League didn't really pay off much because he went to the Raiders for two weeks and then uh, was fired. But what his life did make a bit of a 180 after he met Yahweh Ben Yahweh in uh, 1982. And uh, by 86, he was a full-fledged member of the nation of Yahweh which is a cult slash religious movement. Some people say religious movement. Other people say cult. It teaches that American blacks are the true Jews. So yeah, here's a picture of Yahweh ben Yahweh. Um, Rozier fully embraced. Note, can you read that Hebrew that's on, on his thing? Can you that's read Yahweh. That? Is that what it, it says? What does yeah. that mean? Adonai, God. Okay. Thank you. Um, Thanks for clearing that up. Rozier fully embraced Yahweh Ben Yahweh's temple of love. And he donated oh. all of his possessions and even changed his name to Nerea Israel, or child of God. I'm going to start calling my house the temple of love. Temple it's actually of more love. the temple of hate. Um, in 1985, he then joined up with the Brotherhood, 
which is one of Yahweh's secret groups, uh, that required murdering a white devil and returning with a body part as a gift to their leader, Yahweh ben Yahweh. So he was making the necklace of white men's ears. Can I also just point out that in this picture, you know that he is an evil bastard because he is a man who has very long fingernails. Whoa, he does have, uh, you know, Anton LaVey had very long fingernails. Anton LaVey can get away with it because it's kind of satanic, the same way Glenn Danzig does. But if you are a man and you have long fingernails, don't ever expect a woman to say, put your fingers in my pussy. It is the grossest thing. It, it is gross. But on chicks, it's fine. But on men, gross. You know what's interesting? Um, if you go for, I've only been for a few pedicures in my time. But I never really thought about getting one because I'm like, I can cut my own toenails. But it is an enjoyable experience. That is uh, some boast. This is, is this you where you reveal that you're gay and the marriage is over? Possibly. I'm waiting for a, a perfect moment for that. Um, <laughs> I love how that's your first instinct. <laughs> no, like, I'm saying. I've only been for a few pedicures and manicures and they were just so lovely. Hey, believe me, don't get me wrong. Pedicures are very enjoyable. I've never had a manicure, but a pedicure very enjoyable experience and i went i think it was uh i forget which ex-girlfriend was like you got to go try this out it is a very enjoyable you've never even had one which is unbelievable but anyway when you're there you see a lot of black guys black guys like to go get manicures and pedicures they're very they so it doesn't surprise me that he has like long fingernails i also think this was like the 80s as well it, it there was a lot more freedoms given to men in a way than there is Maybe. I mean, even if, I, you know, I, I haven't been for a pedicure in a few years, but I, when, I was, when I was living in Oakland, when I first got one, you'd almost always see black guys getting pedicures and manicures. It's nice. It's clean. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's a very enjoyable experience. Yourself. Yeah. It's like you're taking care of, like, uh, you know, uh, the minutiae. You know, the slight details. It's not just for gay people. Jesus, no, I'm Kate not Rambo. suggesting that. I was just saying that's the way I thought it was going to go in my head then. I love how that's your first instinct. Are you just waiting for me to like announce that I'm gay? And my uh, my response will be, well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, keep waiting. I'm not I'm not ready yet, Kate. So soon. <laughs> I'm just going to find an opportune moment. Um, so anyway, uh, Yahweh Ben Yahweh, he uh, had this brotherhood that was his secret group, and uh, he called them his Death Angels. So there, there's Robert Rozier in his death angel garb. And uh, Yahweh would encourage his death angels to kill his cult dissonance. So anyone who disagreed with his teachings or uh, the lessons of his cult, um, as well as random white people in acts of racial retribution, you have to cut off the, the, the ears of the white devil. Being called death angels is so fucking cool, though. It's so cool. Yeah, it reminds me of the band. Good band. Yeah. Um, at its peak in the late 80s, the nation of Yahweh had thousands of followers and owned millions of dollars in real estate, oh, wow. uh, mostly in Miami. Um, they kind of mixed messages of black power with fringe ideologies, and they pledged, all of the uh, followers pledged their devotion to founder Yahweh ben Yahweh, who they believed to be divine. They believed him to be the son of God. And uh, his reputation... And uh, Miami was uh, was actually um, you know very positive. I mean, he he um, ran a lot of social outreach and raised money and charities, and uh, had built several foundations for um, for African Americans. Um, they even uh, the mayor 
1990, on October 7th, declared October 7th to be Yahweh Ben Yahweh Day. He had his own. Oh, I think day. this. I think this Miami mayor is going to end up with a bit of egg on his face, David. He does. Um, <laughs> Yahweh, the self-proclaimed wonderful one, says he rose from the dead to be a Messiah to American members of a lost black tribe of Israel. He says he has thousands of devoted followers, and uh, he will lead them all out of the wilderness of white domination. Here's a quote. I am the Messiah. I am the world. I am incarnate. All who receive me shall be saved from immorality and death. All who receive me. It's like a guy coming on to you in a bar. If you shall receive me. That's a great thing, though. Pick up line. If you receive me, you will be saved from immorality and death. Would you like to be saved from immorality? In fact, if anything, I want to become more immoral. Thank you. Would you like a martini? That's what I would do. Um, he was soon arrested on, uh, eventually arrested on a litany of charges, including racketeering, extortion, arson, and murder. You do not say. Yeah, so not surprised there. But yeah, see, you can see the, yeah, you can see his, uh, he's got like the Hebrew writing on his turban. You know, they, they wore white. All of his, all of his followers wore white. I'll get into that in a minute. So a little history on Yahweh. Uh, he was born Hewlin Mitchell Jr. in Kingfisher, Oklahoma in 1935, the oldest of 15 children. His what? father, a Pentecostal minister, and his oh sister his sister is a Grammy-winning opera singer, Leona Mitchell. No way! Yeah. Um, throughout his life, he adopted several religious practices, and he claimed he knew that he was divine by the age of three. So well, I'm was... also divine, but I don't shout about it, and I don't start a cult. So he already had a messianic complex by the age of three. That's precocious. <laughs> it is. Uh, studied psychology in college, later earned a master's degree in economics at the University of Atlanta. Uh, he had joined the military, attended oh, law school. Um, and uh, in the 1960s, he joined the Nation of Islam and took the name Hulan X. Hulan's so, pretty cool. I wonder what that means. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was like a common name at the time. Uh, he left the uh, Nation of Islam in the late 60s and became a faith healer Christian preacher and named himself Father Mitchell. Um, he, uh, he proclaimed that he had divine connections to God, much like other contemporaries at the time, other African-American faith healers. He then uh, moved to Miami, Florida in 1978, where he gathered members of the city's black Hebrew-Israelite congregations, because there were several at the time. And that's when he founded the nation of Yahweh. So, and he's the leader, obviously, of all. So he kind of like made all the black. He united all the black Hebrew Israelite congregations and in the area at the time. He must be like Sam Kinison in a way, because if you've grown up in a Pentecostal family, you've definitely got the you know the spirit, the blood of it. Uh, and I'm sure he's charismatic as fuck. Yeah, I think to be able I think to it's take the all these people and then become their leader. He must be like fucking super charismatic his doctrine emphasized the belief that god and all the prophets of the bible were black and that blacks would gain the knowledge of their true history through his teachings of course he also characterized whites and jews as infidels and oppressors um and he rebranded himself as yahweh ben yahweh god the son of god 
And so here he, here he is with, uh, so the Hebrew writing is Yahweh ben Yahweh. Doesn't it look like, like an ISIS video? It but... totally does. Just, I <laughs> think like just the way ISIS he's positioned. Video. The master teacher. He's like, and to my left is a reporter. And if you don't meet my demands in 20 minutes, head comes off. Well, there were beheadings. So along oh, with shit. anti-white screeds, heavily influenced by uh, the Nation of Islam beliefs, uh, he borrowed ideas from the black Hebrew Israelites, which there were. Um, and he believed that the black people are the true descendants of the ancient Hebrews of the Bible. He was dressed in a jeweled turban with flowing white robes. And uh, yeah, like as the, you know, as the, as the Nation of Yahweh took off, late 70s, uh, early 80s, he began attracting a lot of followers through his sermons. Um, he dubbed his religious sect the Nation of Yahweh. And at their height, there were about 20,000 members in 45 cities across the country. Uh, he told his followers to wear white. He claimed that he that overcometh the white man, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. We are white people's property as long as we keep their name. And that was another lesson because he uh, led many followers to take on biblical names, often adopting the surname Israel, which is uh, what uh, Bob Brozier did. Okay. So uh, most of his literature here, the Yahweh literature, was written by him under the name Moses Israel. This is before he changed it officially to Yahweh ben Yahweh. And it's you know studded with uh, invective against whites, pe- whites and Jews. Uh, here's a quote. The truth that will lead to freedom is the knowledge of our great, good and terrible black god Yahweh. The knowledge of this white man is the devil, Satan, serpent, and beast. Nice. And synagogues, he referenced them as synagogues of Satan. Um, this is one of my favorite aspects of him. So uh, Yahweh has been, was married and divorced twice. He's the uh, father of four kids. Uh, but he never lacked for companionship at the Temple of Love headquarters. Temple of yeah. Love. Uh, there are also uh, that the temple was the living quarters of dozens of faithful young women who served as staff, teachers, and bodyguards for Yahweh. He called oh. them the Circle of Twelve. That's pretty cool. Female yeah. bodyguards in your... I'm sure some of them are there willingly. Gaddafi had female bodyguards. Remember them? There's like an elite force of uh, of assassins. Do you um, know why? Because women are fierce. I would rather probably have female bodyguards. I think They'll claw I th- your eyes out. I think you make more of a statement that way. Yeah, um, sexier too. So uh, Yahweh said, we may be rabbis and nuns here, but we don't believe in celibacy. We be banging. <laughs> So, Temple of Love. The Yahweh's operated a grocery, a beauty parlor, and a takeout fish stand for local residents. They even had a what? Yahweh University. You know, I need to know what type of fish, like fish and chips, or just like fresh fish that you would then take home. It's a white fish sandwich. You know, uh, it's a thing <gasps> with Nation of Islam. Because I remember when I lived in Oakland, right after, I think it was my first job after the strip club, I worked as a I designed hooker ads in the East Bay Express and for the SF Weekly. Where the East Bay Express was was in Emeryville, and right up the street was a black Muslim bakery. And I always wanted to go in there because you see them peppered around Oakland, these black Muslim bakeries. The best fish sandwich I think I've ever had. I it's, want that right now. Yeah, it's kind of like nachos. it's like breaded whitefish, but oh my God, it was so good. I would get so that's what like I'd eat almost every day for lunch. 
what do they call it in McDonald's? The, uh, the, yeah, like a, the, like the fish sandwich in McDonald's. Similar to that, but better though, because the fish was better. Like McDonald's yeah, it's, it's ones are real. greasy and it's like, you know, processed and packaged. This was like, you could tell it was like freshly made and it was really good. And plus, I think a lot of those guys, they don't eat pork, they don't eat meat. So yeah, so you, you gotta can, eat yeah, fish. That's kind of like our diet. We could, if I wasn't white and you weren't a Jew, they could have let us in this. Be a, be a black Muslim, yeah. Um, they had the, uh, he founded the Yahweh University. Um, and uh, on, on, so young kids at the Yahweh University would sing songs and, uh, and learn about the, the teachings of Yahweh and the, the, and the world's nations and the planets where, um, where you know, their, their beliefs came from. Uh, many members of the nation of Yahweh lived in uh, communally in the Temple of Love. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it's true. Here it is. The Temple of Love, it actually burned down during uh, these oh, I was fires in Miami. Yeah, there were riots in Miami, and they, they burned the, 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 church, the uh, temple down. Uh, but it was in the historically black enclave of Liberty City. Uh, followers <sighs> generated money by selling goods. Uh, they had Yahweh-branded drinks, which I've never really seen. Um, but all the proceeds and donations that they, you know, that they made to the, uh, to the, yet to the, the cult here, uh, the group invested in real estate. So they had, they owned apartment buildings, hotels, supermarkets. So around 1990, uh, their assets totaled about $9 million. Can I just say Liberty City is a place I know very well. And I have driven the streets of Liberty City many a time. Many an hour. This is another Grand Theft Auto reference. <laughs> it is a Grand Theft Auto. I like. I love how you do. You've you've like traveled vicariously throughout the United States via that game. If you've played GTA, then you know what I mean because they did bla- base it on real cities and real streets that are and, iconic and real uh, buildings locations. Yeah. So what was yeah. the one in uh, in the Bay Area? Um, that's uh, San Andreas. Yeah, San, San Andreas, Andreas basically covers all of California and Nevada. Yeah, they show like a lot of landmarks there. So the nation of Yahweh presented itself, you know, for all intents and purposes, as a religious organization dedicated to improving Black lives by teaching self-reliance and urban renewal, which they did. I mean, they founded many charities and. Uh, and offered educational opportunities to uh, to young black kids, disadvantaged youth. Uh, but darker things were going on behind the closed doors of the Temple of Love. Inside a cult, you don't say. You don't say many, that a cult has dark, dark yearnings. Anyone who dared to question the teachings of Yahweh were subject to discipline, beatings, and in some cases, murder. 1981, former Nation of Yahweh member Aston Green was beheaded after leaving the group. Um, when his roommates and fellow defectors, Carlton Carey and Mildred Banks, went to report the incident to police, they were attacked. Carey was fatally shot, and Banks was shot and struck several times with a machete, but she actually managed to survive the attack. Wow. Yeah, one of the more famous incidents, and this kind of led to uh, their downfall. In the fall of 1986, a large contingent from the Nation of Yahweh, all death angels, uh, showed up at a rundown apartment building that the group had bought in Opelika, Florida. Uh, tenants claimed the Yahwehs, who uh, were armed with wooden staffs and white robes, began to forcibly evict them. Uh, residents Anthony Brown and Rudolph Broussard, who'd lived there for a period of years, 
resisted. And that evening, they were both shot to death outside the apartment building. Um, it was this incident uh, that uh, ended up uh, resulting in the arrest of a uh, former University of California Berkeley football player and St. Louis Cardinals player, Robert Rozier. At this time, he was going by Nerea Israel. Uh, they charged him with the murders, and uh, later on throughout the trial, Rozier would admit to killing seven people to please his leader, Yahweh. Wow. He was arrested and charged with murder on October 31st, 1986. Oh, nice, being arrested and charged on Halloween. Halloween. Um, I think we have that. There, there he is. There's Rozier. He looks a bit like a sad puppy in this one. I know, compared to how proud he was in the, uh, the Yahweh garb. Uh, Rozier would eventually make a deal with prosecutors. He accepted a 22-year prison sentence for four murders in exchange for becoming their star witness. And he revealed a lot of juicy details about the crimes committed by the Death Angels. Oh, we're going to um, get into the good stuff now. Yeah, he told courts uh, about uh, the secret group known as the Brotherhood, whom Yahweh colloquially referred to as his Death Angels. They were the group's enforcers, and they were encouraged to kill random white people in acts of racial retribution. They would then cut off the victim's ears and present them to Yahweh. Um, yeah, his, uh, Yahweh's teachings were you're not going to achieve like self-realization until you kill a white devil and bring me an ear. I like it. Yeah, it's weird de- that it's ears, though. Yeah, I, I, I mean, why, like, why, why what, not what's fingers he doing with them afterwards? Is he actually? Is he making a necklace? No, because you're not going to necessarily just kill white men. You might kill a white woman. You can't cut her dick off. What are you going to do then? Tits. Tits are so much messier <laughs> than putting a dick off. Come on, use your. So yeah, that's probably why they chose ears because ears probably won't everybody has as them, much, and yeah. everyone has them. But I mean, you could cut off a foot when you just wasn't into foot. Like feet? I would have said like a toe or a little finger, a little pinky finger, you know, on the left hand. That's Satan's finger. So wouldn't you cut I wonder how many ears he had and where he kept them. Like, did he pickle them? Did he have a drawer full of ears? I could imagine he had like a box of them and every so often he would put his hands inside the box and be like, and chuck them up in the air and be like, my ears. I wonder if he'd pick it up and be like, I can't hear you. Like Dolph Lundgren in Universal Soldier. Uh, the Death Angels were, were uh, vested with the responsibility of keeping the flock in line. So Rozier said his duties spanned everything from driving the bus to committing cold-blooded murders. So he would just go and commit murder and, uh, and chop off some ears. He was involved in the uh, 1986 uh, Coconut Grove apartment complex beatings and murders. Um, apparently, he followed a drunk white man to his apartment killed him and his roommate with a six-inch Japanese knife. This was uh, shortly before uh, the murders at the apartment complex. On September 5th, Rozier and another bro... This is September 5th, 1986. Rozier and another Brotherhood member killed an unconscious man, a 61-year-old Raymond Kelly, who was just parked in a bar parking lot. Like, this guy passed out in his car after drinking, and they cut off the victim's ears to show... Ben Yahweh, and when they lost, they lost the ears. They had to return to the body. Okay, so they, uh, what happened? They cut off one ear, lost it, and had to go back to cut off another ear because they lost the original one. Can you see that, bro? Have you got the ear? No, bro. Have you got the ear? Shit. I don't get like, how would you lose someone's fucking ear? 
just put it in your pocket and just don't touch it till you get back home. It's that simple. I mean, I don't know. Um, they're a bit, uh, bit forgetful or something. Uh, so Rozier and three other Yahwehs killed 45-year-old Cecil Branch, stabbing him 25 times in retaliation for a previous confrontation. Uh, Cecil was also a former member of the Nation of Yahweh. Upon Rozier's arrest, he told police that he was 404 years old and couldn't remember his life before conversion to Yahweh. And what's interesting is that for the, so right when he was arrested, for the first seven months, the nation supported Rozier with a lawyer, Jewish lawyer named Ellis Rubin. Oh, um, that's funny. Yeah. He gets a Jew lawyer when he needs one. <laughs> This whole time hating the Jews, now suddenly he needs one. Well, Jews are good at certain things, all right? Um, so they support him with a lawyer and a public relations campaign. But when Rozier issued an ultimatum to the church for a different lawyer, he was excommunicated. And it was yeah. at this point that he decided to uh, become a rat. And so March 1988, he turned state's evidence in exchange uh, for a 22-year sentence. And that's when he detailed all of the nation Yahweh's crimes, uh, the, the murders in retaliation. Um, he discussed different members of the church who would brag about killings. And then he told about his own involvement, the 1983 public beating death of a martial artist named Leonard Dupree. And that's where he confessed to four murders. So by 1990, the Miami Police Department had built a 14-murder conspiracy indictment against 16 members of the Yahweh Nation, including spiritual leader Yahweh ben Yahweh. So there he is being let off. I wonder if that's the Jewish lawyer. Maybe that's not. definitely a Jewish lawyer. <laughs> Could be a cop. It kind of looks like a cop. I'm uh, going so with Jew lawyer. The Miami Police Department's case against Yahweh uh, relied heavily upon Rozier's testimony, which was a vector of attack by uh, Yahweh's uh, criminal defense attorneys because what they were trying to do is discredit Rozier as a witness. So they said he was singing a song in order to avoid a life sentence or death sentence. Um, one of the lawyers, Curtis Jones, who defended a uh, Isaiah Solomon Israel, who was another member of the Nation of Yahweh, one of the 16, he alleged that Rozier's the biggest liar. He said, that man would lie on his mother, much less Yahweh ben Yahweh and his friends and associates. He's been able to elude old Sparky four times now. Who would you believe? Well, not him. So here's a clip. This mentalist. Well, here's a clip uh, from one of the lawyers talking about him. Yeah, no, he is a mentalist. Completely. So it's going to be an interesting day. He has touched upon virtually everyone in the case. Uh, the question, however, is his credibility. He appears to be a outright psychopath. He's admitted to seven murders. I believe probably more and possibly many that he is um, he's hiding from the government. His credibility is going to be one of the key issues in the case. And so there you go. I think the main, the main, their, their main method of defending Yahweh ben Yahweh was to, uh, to basically prove the uh, lack of cred credibility here for Rozier. You know, they, they... I can see that. It, it would be very easy to discredit him anyways, because unless they have bodies with ears cut off, it could all just be hearsay. Well, I think what they're depicting him as as a psychopathic serial killer. Like the guy killed four people. He butchered their ears. You know, Yahweh is like, I have no idea about this. I'm, I'm not making an ear necklace. 
What are you talking yeah. about? Obviously, I didn't find the uh, the drawer full of beers in his desk. Um, but I think that was the main thing. The uh, the defense attorneys were like, well, let's just say he's a psychopath. Paint him as a serial killer, discredit his testimony, and uh, we will acquit the uh, Yahweh nation here. <laughs> if the ear don't fit, we must acquit. Yeah, I wonder if he was like putting the ears on the different like earless corpses. <laughs> So following a five-month trial, Yahweh and six other members of the nation of Yahweh were found guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. Yahweh, uh, Ben Yahweh, was sentenced to 18 years in prison and fined $20,000. He was eventually paroled in 2001. The terms of his parole forbade him from being in contact with any past or present member of the nation of Yahweh. Um, although uh, this was rescinded after he was diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2006. Oh, boo-hoo. So he died May 7th, 2007, at his home in Opelika, Florida. There he is. This was actually an amazing gif that just showed, like, the, the lightning striking. Lightning striking. Yeah, and the, yeah, and the glow it. behind Yahweh Ben Yahweh. But it's a great picture of him. If that was, that would be, you know, like how the modern thing nowadays for gravestones is people get etchings and you'll maybe get your face put on it. That would be a great gravestone image. I want this NFT. Um, <laughs> despite the conviction, though, and his inc- incarceration until 2001, and the court mandated isolation. There, there he is, surrounded by. Uh, I, I love how, like, look at the mixed race, the heterogeneous group here of followers uh, that he that he seriously believed in. Yeah, I'm he sure there's a lot of the Asian guys. Uh-huh. I'm sure there are a lot of Asian dudes in the nation of uh, Yahweh. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, he was he was isolated from other members of the nation of Yahweh. Uh, but, and he even died in 2007, the Nation of Yahweh cult is still active to this day, and they consider Yahweh ben Yahweh to be their Messiah, the Son of He's God. He's like a martyr now, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the leader of their cause. In fact, if you check out their website, which I highly recommend, <laughs> yahwehbenyahweh.com, I'll, I'll add a link to it, you can read about the crucifixion of their Messiah, Yahweh ben Yahweh, he basically was crucified. And it's really funny because they almost take a take a page out of uh, Trump's Republican defense. Um, if you look at it, it's just like they keep calling him Lying Bob. So Lying Bob Rozier. So kind of like Trump did with Lying Ted, Ted Cruz, and anyone that disagreed with him. They call, he called him like Lying, whatever their name is. Um, but yeah, if you read this, it's all in caps. I mean, the, the site is ridiculous, but it's all in caps. You read it, go, go to the part where it's, a, the, it's, it's called the crucifixion here. And it's in all caps. It says, no weapons, no resistance, no violence. And they talk about how um, following a 25-year FBI practice of disrupting and discrediting black organizations, uh, the nation of Yahweh had been under close surveillance for 10 years and was taken down by corrupt government and Lion Bob Rozier a confessed serial killer and drug abuser. In return for his testimony, Lying Bob is rewarded with a reduced sentence after pleading guilty to killing four people. So they go go here saying how um, Yahweh, as prophesied, was Christ. So Christ was betrayed into the hands of the authorities by Judas. Yahweh was, uh, was betrayed by one of his followers, Robert Lying Bob Rozier. It's, Every it's, time it's you keep saying Bob Rozier, all I can think of is Bob Lozier. You know the actor. I don't Bob know who, Lozier. What, would, uh, what was Bob actor. Lozier in? He's in loads of old school stuff, but I hate to say it to you, but it is a Family Guy joke. Oh, God. 
Another Family Guy joke. Stri- <laughs> I'm striking that from the show. Um, I'd rather join the Nation of Yahweh than watch a single episode of that accursed program. Uh, that is a bold statement. <laughs> uh, the website claims to have abandoned their past racism, and the leader's yeah, right. daughter has stated that all people are children of God, hence that picture we just saw of all the, the different races. Um, an attorney who's also a member of the group, Wendelin Rush, insists that its current war with the U.S. government is a nonviolent verbal battle. It's not, they're not technically at war. Um, this is great. There's a section here called the Feasts of Yahweh. And they talk about, like, they do Passover. And they have, like, a Feast of Weeks. But this is my favorite. There's a bunch of funny videos on here. And, like, you can see videos of his teachings. And there's, like, a flying saucer. Like, I think he says that the nation of Yahweh came from some planet. Or space, I don't know, maybe heaven's a planet. Like, Jerusalem's a planet. And they came to Earth to uh, save the oh, like people. Oh, like Scientology as well. Yeah, similar. So, anyway, here's his, uh, this is called the Memorial of Blowing of the Trumpets. This is Yahweh ben, ben Yahweh blowing the trumpet. He's not that bad. It's like, it's like blowing the shofar. Yeah, similar. Although he's he's pretty good at doing this. He's like a like a Miles Davis. The memorial blowing of trumpets pitches to us the return of Yahweh, the son Yahweh. Yahweh, the son. Yahweh. You know why they've picked trumpets and not saxophones? Because anyone at any age can play a saxophone. Like me or, me or you could pick up a saxophone right now and play it. But after a certain age, if you don't develop your ombrosia, you can't play a trumpet. So he was playing trumpet when he was a child. Yeah, he must have learned. He came from a musical family. Like his, He's uh, got to have. Yeah, to, his sister to develop the ombrosia, you can't do that. Like, we couldn't play a trumpet now. We don't have the, the lip strength. Although um, I might have lip strength for other things. Yeah, I was about to say, you've, you've honed the lip strength over time. <laughs> playing the skin flute. Uh, the group here, Nation of Yahweh, is reportedly spread throughout the U.S. and no longer concentrated just in uh, Miami. Uh, it claims that its present literature downplays and erased all past racism and the past criminal behavior of its leaders and followers. And in fact, uh, they, they purchase a lot of infomercials, which I haven't seen, but there's a, yeah, there's infomercials and there's videos on their site of this weekly half hour program that they do that combines Bible studies with discussions about the actual nation. Now, this is kind of interesting and somewhat, somewhat topical to uh, today's politics, the Yahweh Ben Yahweh group appeared in the news in 2012 after Michael, the black man, whose real name is Morris Woodside, a former member of the group who is now a conservative activist, was invited to speak at a rally for Rick Santorum's presidential campaign. During that, he said the Democrats, who he also calls the Democrats, were <laughs> akin to Nazis. Since that, obviously Santorum... His uh, campaign fell flat. Uh, Woodside be- has become a vocal supporter of Donald Trump, and he continues to defend Yahweh Ben Yahweh and the nation's beliefs. So 
you'll see here he is. And people might have seen this at a lot of different Trump rallies. I think this is the one in Arizona. He shows up behind Trump. They, they strategically place him behind Trump. And he has a sign that says blacks for Trump. Is he the guy that Trump points out and says, like, my African-American? My African, that's that is uh, that's that's Michael, the black man. Um, He's a radical fringe activist from Miami and he's crazy. He's batshit crazy. Um, He once uh, belonged to to the, the black supremacist religious cult. He runs a handful of amateur conspiracy websites. He's called Barack Obama, the beast and Hillary Clinton, a KKK member. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah even says he's the devil. And even an even stranger in 1990, he was uh, in 1990, he was charged, but then eventually acquitted with conspiracy to commit two murders. But Michael, the black man loves President Trump. He loves President Trump. Um, anyway, before he started calling himself Michael, the black man, um, he was Morris Woodside and he was uh, a member of the Yahweh, the Yahweh Nation. And he was even a member, he, I don't know if he was a death angel, but he was definitely a, a member of the Yahweh Nation, um, even like when they were turning violent. So he, he was a member like around when he was like 21 years old, and he followed Yahweh's uh, teachings to, the, to a T, even after the leader allegedly denied his dying cancer-stricken mother medical treatment, instead prescribed her vegetables, nuts, and herbs because they don't believe in uh, medical like well, yeah, that's going to keep her alive. Not the it, chemotherapy, the radiotherapy, or any of that. Just to, you know, just change your diet. That's all you need to do. Bullshit. So he, he along with uh, 16 other members of the, uh, of the Nation of Yahweh, were arrested by federal agents in 1990, charged with racketeering conspiracy and 14 murders, and a firebombing. But uh, he was acquitted, uh, whereas Yahweh ended up uh, serving some time. Ricardo Woodside, Morris's brother, had once been in the cult, but left after his mother's death. Um, he testified that his brother had helped beat a man named Aston Green and beheaded that man with a dull machete. Oh, a dull machete. That's a, the lead. That's, you, you want it to be sharp, don't you? That was always the worst thing about watching the beheading videos, which are the worst. I love God and I watch them all, but it was always the beheading videos that used to get me because you always think it's going to be like one clean chop. But it never is. It's like no, four or like, five and the person's crying and screaming. But to do it with a dull machete, I think that is just really rude. Do you they turn could have sharpened that machete. Just the, the foley sound of a head being chopped off? It's very much like a watermelon meets a chicken bone being smashed into the ground. It's another one of Kate crying. Rambo's weird wanks. Um, <laughs> he also, the brother, testified against uh, Morris Woodside, Michael the Black Man here. Uh, that he had stabbed a Louisiana, man, a Louisiana man named Leonard Dupree in the eye with a stick. Um, not <laughs> a good guy. Suspicious. Yeah. Um, Woodside, when he was acquitted for the uh, conspiracy to commit murder and the firebombing, he said, you know, you want to know why I wasn't scared? Because Yahweh wasn't scared. Oh. Um, later years, he changed his name to Morris Simonette, and then eventually he became Michael the Black Man, an anti-Democrat. Uh, who preaches the Bible and abhors homosexuality. He even has his own radio station called The Boss, 104.1 FM. Uh, He broadcasts his uh, radical beliefs and uh, and his uh, invectives against uh, the uh, Democrats. He he really hates Joe Biden, hates Hillary Clinton. 
Um, pretty much hates all Democrats. Well, they all do. He probably thinks they're lizards. Yeah, I'm. I'm surprised he's not a QAnon guy. But uh, he he went to an Obama campaign speech in 2008 with a group of protesters that kept yelling "Barack, go home," and they had signs that said "Obama endorsed by the KKK." And so now he's got an amazing website too. So I'm I'm going to link to two amazing websites, all associated with the Nation of Yahweh. Uh, this one is called Gods2.com, and if you notice. In the pictures where he's standing behind Trump, he's wearing a shirt um, that says, like, Trump's not yeah. racist or Trump loves black people. It says gods2.com. Anyway, I went to his website, and the landing page says, Latin, black, and whites must unite. And then Unless there's you're links. Barack Obama, in which case, no. Don't yeah. unite with us. Well, there's links to other sites. Um, uh, one called honestfact.com that has yeah. an article about real KKK slave masters are Cherokee Indians. Well, they were. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah. Um, they yeah, they're, they're the hidden Babylonians. Uh, there's other links to uh, another article about ISIS and Hillary race war plot to kill all black and white women of America with MS-13. Is that, um, is that a type of gun? No, it's a gang, that gang MS-13. I don't know, MS. Look, I'm just, I just live in a tiny little village in like um, delightful Britain. Like, we don't have it became a, it, it became a buzzword for Republicans that said that uh, with, um, um, with people coming over the border and immigration and like Democrats just keep the border open. That's why MS 13 is coming in and killing everybody. I, I, I don't know. I think it's uh, obviously there is a gang called MS 13. I think it's, it's complete hyperbole. However, I'm going to research it. I'll it's a talking it. point. Yeah, they they actually have really cool looking tattoos. Um, Love it already. Another article: Yahweh Ben Yahweh taught us to vote Republican and is now vindicated. And then there's a Confederate flag with the <laughs> caption "Cherokee Democratic Flag." And How do the is, Cherokees feel about this? <laughs> I don't even know, but I don't understand why he's picking on the Cherokees. I mean, there's a lot of other tribes, but the Cherokees in particular, he claims. Well, well, he claims that they were the real slave masters. They did have slaves. It's a well-known fact they had slaves. And they were also part of the, you know, the Trail of Tears. They they walked it and they had their slaves walk it with them. I don't think they had, I don't think they were the only slave masters. I mean, No, sure, I don't they, think they were either. So I don't know why he's particularly picking on them. And I would like to see like the, what the Cherokee think about this. Well, They're probably former, like, he is dumb. Former President Bill Clinton and Senator John McCain, he said, could be traced back to the Cherokee tribe. And they were Clinton also slave and McClain, masters. The, probably two John of the McCain. most European names you can get. <laughs> yeah, they, they go back to Indian times. He says Cherokee Indians are mostly white people. Uh, Sir John Hawkins was okay. the first man to go get slaves commissioned by Queen Elizabeth I. He was absolutely a Cherokee Indian. And almost everybody he had were Cherokee Indians. And the Cherokee Indians had money. And they're the only ones able to really afford slaves. And almost all of them were the ones that had slaves. And all the slave states were states where reservations were located. What's his point, though? Yeah, they had slaves. He went on to argue that KKK leader Asa Earl Carter was a Cherokee Indian. (laughs) And that's why they wore hats that look like tents because they're indicating that the, 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 the white like pillowcase hats were teepees. And they're hiding under it. I don't get what this guy's point is. He's mental. He's mental. What, what's going no, he's on insane. inside his head? 
He's an insane he's person. He heads. He's an insane person. Uh, it's unclear whether the White House or Trump's campaign officials were aware of Michael the Black Man's uh, extreme political views. Maybe. I don't know. I'm sure uh, Trump would say, well, you know, there's a lot of good and bad things on both sides of what he has to say. Um, not sure if he thinks that Trump is a Cherokee Indian. But yeah, his his website, Gods2.com, is hilarious. I definitely recommend checking it out. Now, the aftermath here for Bob Rozier, I'm sure everyone's like, what happened to NFL murderer Bob Rozier? Bob Rozier. Well, for his 22-year sentence, he was in prison outside of Florida and then uh, moved. Um, so he only served about 10 years. And then uh, he... Got, he was uh, put into the uh, Federal Witness Protection Program, and he was paroled with the new identity of Robert Ramses. Okay. Yeah. So he's, he's Egyptian now. In 1999, he expressed remorse for his crimes, and he rebuilt his life in intense spiritual and intellectual transformation. He was then uh, living in Cameron Park, California. He owned an auto detailing business in Sacramento, worked in web design, and he was raising uh, two kids. Uh, February 5th, 1999, though, he was arrested for passing another bad check. Hey, back. $66 for a car repair. A leopard doesn't change it. Bounced another check here. And so police found his true identity. He really wasn't Robert Ramsey's. He was Robert Rozier. And they discovered a trail of 29 bounce checks, totaling more than $2,000. They charged him with a felony. He was convicted. And under a third strike law, he was sentenced to 25 years to life. So he's still in prison to this day. Yeah. Is he in California prison? Yeah. He's in California prison to this day. (laughs) So there you go, people. I think now you have a wealth of information to ruin somebody's Super Bowl party. I I recommend, I mean, you could just do it. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different ways you can, you can, uh, you know, become disinvited from a Super Bowl party. You know, I recommend uh, just stand in front of the TV singing songs praising Yahweh Ben Yahweh. They will love that. You definitely won't get invited back next year. Uh, just point at everyone and call them a demon crap. That works. And then, or the main thing is while you're getting guacamole, let people know the truth that the real KKK slave masters are Cherokee Indians. That's going to go down very well. That's going to go down very well. And there's a, there's a too. myriad ways to uh, never have to be invited to your family's Super Bowl party again. Anyway, people, it's episode 830 here of Sick and Wrong. Uh, i got some phone calls coming up next, 323-522-4032. But first, uh, let's let's play this Valentine's Day message. Free stuff is the best, but free stuff that will ignite your Valentine's Day is even better. Check this out. When you go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item, you will get it at 50% off. That's amazing by itself. But here's where they load on the free stuff. When you enter my exclusive code at checkout Diddle, not only do you get 50% off one item, you'll also get 10 tantalizing free items. First, for your viewing pleasure, six free movies. Next, a free mystery pack that includes an item for him, a special toy for her, and something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, free shipping. Now that's a lot of free Valentine's stuff. So head on over to adamandeve.com and be sure to use code DIDDLE. Again, that's D-I-D-D-L-E. 
So we got a few phone calls to get to here. 323-522-4032 is the Sick and Wrong hotline number. It's getting hot in the hotline. Um, we do want your calls, though. Building up a backlog. So uh, nice. the more calls we get, the better the show. So give us a call, 323-522-4032. Keep it under three minutes. You can also email us, sickerrompodcast at gmail.com. Uh, this first call is from a Swedish gentleman who might or might not be a chef. Oh, a wrong in Swedish would be sjuk och fel. But you wouldn't say it to somebody, you know, you are sjuk och fel. You'd say like, du är sjuk och vrickad. You are sick and twist. Such an easy language to uh, to learn here. <laughs> yes, to replicate that lilt yeah. is just so easy to do. Sweetka feel. Because, you know, feel would just be like, oh, no, you, uh, you, are, you are wrong. You are uh, incorrect. Which wouldn't be very, you know, speaking time, language, communication, styling. Styling, speaking. Uh, he reminds me of Van Damme. I don't know why. This is what you said last time. Yeah. And let me tell you, D. After somebody who has become fully immersed in Jean, I might as well have shagged Jean Claude Van Damme in these last two weeks. The amount of Jean Claude Van Damme I have thrown myself into. He sounds nothing like a man from Brussels. I think he does. I think he sounds like Van Damme. Speaking voice reminds me. How many times did you wank to Bloodsport? I've went to Bloodsport at least 10 times by now. Was it the scenes with Bolo Young or was it the Van Damme scenes? Just the Van Damme scenes. Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, keeping it short and sweet. Much short love sweet. to the yeah. newlyweds. And, uh, oh, thank you there, Swedish man. Yeah, lick my balls. Please <laughs> keep it sick and wrong for... Fortsätt att ha sjukt och vrickat. Fortsätt, fortsätt med den sjukheten och, 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 och den vrickade stilen. Pish. I have no idea what he was saying at the end he of that. He could have been calling me or saying, I did, I'm sure I heard my name. He could have been saying, like, I'm the biggest whore in the whole wide world. And I'd still be like, yeah, this is sexy. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, I think the Swedish accent is very sexy. Um, I want to know how to say lick my balls, though, in Sweden. Swedish. Maybe that's what he was saying yeah. at the end. Maybe, maybe yeah, that's what he was. Yeah. It was he definitely seemed longer than that, though. Uh, Sweet too. Sweet Van Damme has some great stories. I do like that guy's calls. I also like this next person's calls. You know, she called in a little while ago, and I just, uh, I don't know why I've been holding on to this one. Maybe because there's, there's been a lot of, like, you know, we've had calls that are relevant to the topics, um, and uh, then, you know, also like the holidays and all that. Anyway, I finally got around to this. It's a very good call from Z. Remember Z? Oh, yes, I do. Who lives in Z. Dubai. Hi, Kate. Hi, Z. This is Z. Oh, that rhymes. Um, <laughs> I was just listening to um, this woman that called, and she has borderline personality disorder. That's become somewhat of a theme here. Christina called in about borderline personality disorder, BPD. Yeah. And apparently Z also suffers from that. Oh, no way. 
um, I've been diagnosed with that like, I don't know, years ago, uh, 10, 11 years ago. Um, uh, it's totally under control now. Although, right, um, right now I'm, I am a little bit on one of my highs, but I've overdone it, so I'm going through a low, but it didn't hit there yet. Um, but I wonder if you are very aware, like hyper aware of your highs and your lows when you have BPD, and if you warn your significant other. You know how like women, when they have um, PMT? PMT. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I think it's different to that. I think when you're kind of undiagnosed and it's un- uncontrollable, you just you just act on your emotions. You act on it, and then afterwards you repent. But well, I think there she was saying, though, it. she could recognize. She's like, I'm on one of my highs right now. So I wonder if, like, you know, if, if you have to give your uh, significant other a caveat, like, hey, I'm in the middle of one of my bipolar disorder highs right now, so I might be a bit flighty. Might be a bit annoying. <laughs> oh, is that what you call it? A bit flighty? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, just, darling. <laughs> well, as somebody who does suffer from PMT, let me tell you, you... You know you're suffering. You know that you're cranky and that you may be shouting and you're craving all this food that you usually wouldn't like want. But you're gonna let the emotions out, and it damned it, damned the results of it. So I think um, bipolar disorder is that times fifty. I feel the same way about blue balls. Like, I'm gonna <laughs> let it out. Doesn't matter who's around. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, Kate, what you explain what you um what you mentioned about your mate's uh, mom that she um would go on high for weeks and then lows. That sounds more like bipolar than borderline. Borderline is a little bit more subtle than that. Okay. Um I, I I'm uh, I'm uh, um I'm taking medication, I'm doing very well. Although right now I'm drinking whiskey and painting my furniture yellow. Don't ask. She's doing what? Drinking whiskey she... and painting something? Yeah, did she say a tree yellow? Okay, I didn't get that. Painting a tree aloe or something, don't ask. Like, a, Well, she's painting and that's always nice. It's nice to get drunk and do creative things. Yeah. It's a yellow mask for me. A yellow mask? Um, yeah. Oh my God. First of all, um, congratulations. Can't believe you got married. It's awesome. I hate married people. <laughs> she hates married um, people. Me too. Congratulations. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just wanted to say that. Um, I have, I do have one kind of bad experience on drugs. Not really drugs. It was like a brownie, uh, sorry, cookies. And um, I had, like, an entire cookie in half an hour, and um, I was extremely high and paranoid. And this guy I was dating at that time... God, I don't think this person should be doing drugs. A weed cookie. Like, especially because, like, even the edibles. Every time I've had an edible, they've just been so, like, fucking strong. They're very potent, and I don't know. I mean... They do, like, if you go to, you'll see when you come here and you go to the dispensaries here, they oh, tell you the my, potency. Oh, that's my first two days plan is I'm going to a dispensary. Yeah, I mean, they're all over, but uh, ubiquitous in LA. But there's, like, they tell you the potency. Like, this is how many grams are in it, and this is the THC percentage. But I don't know what that means. Like, I, my whole thing is, like, okay, well, how strong is it? 
Like how much of that can I eat before I'm like naked, drooling on the ground? <laughs> you're like screaming at like the shadow people. Like how, at what point is that going to happen? You know, because cause you do. Like you'll eat like half a cookie and just be fucked for the next like 12 hours. I just honestly want like a gummy that'll like just give me, you know, when you smoke um, a bit of weed and you get that really nice feeling and you just feel really nice and buzzed and you just feel lovely. That's all I want. I don't want anything more than that. I don't want it to the point where, because every time I've had an edible, it's always taken me to the point of absolute paranoia where I think, oh shit, is this like, is this where it all goes wrong for me? Well, in my experience, what I've noticed is if you get like the brownies or the cookies, those are really potent. But if you get like the gummies or the, or the suckers, the, the lollipops, it's like you do those, you just kind of get a nice pleasant buzz. Because there's not I'll as much the THC in the, in the lollipops or in the, in the candy. But in the cookies and the brownies, you will be fucked. But saying that, I had, um, I had a brownie when I was in Amsterdam. Uh, I had it at like 11 in the morning first thing. And I was like cool off that all day. It was a really great, mellow, pleasant high. And I just walked around Amsterdam. That's the day we got kicked out of Anne Frank, the Anne Frank Museum, because we were laughing. But it was a great day. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Like Big Jer used to always just kind of cut his cookies up. And he figured out exactly how much he wanted that would give him the high he needed. And so he would dose himself. He'd He'd just eat like one or two, depending on how fucked up he wanted to get. But I've never been, I don't, first of all, I don't like the high of it. I like smoking it. But, Same. Yeah, I prefer that. But I also, yeah, every time I've tr- I've tried to fuck with an edible, I've just been way too high to have fun. My problem is, is that if I'm left alone with a brownie, well, firstly, I can't really eat brownies anyways because I am kind of mildly allergic to eggs. They give me really bad heartburn. But if I'm left alone with a brownie, I can't just eat a square of brownie. I have to eat the whole fucking thing. I can't be left alone with it. I'm a fat kid at heart. I'm gonna yeah, eat that whole brownie. Be... Yeah, I remember um, we there was this one. What did they, I forget what it was like a muffin? They called my sister would be like, "Oh yeah, we, we got muffins," but like they would only eat like a little bit of the muffin top, and How? The, they would just crumble off the muffin top and just eat it. And so you know, and it would fuck you up. And I've done that before. I remember I ate half a muffin and I was fucked. I couldn't even figure out how to take the train. A little bit of muffin. If you put a blueberry muffin in front of me, I'm gonna eat the whole fucking thing. Like, well, there's no way I can't not eat it. I was at their house, and I was like, oh, this is a muffin. And I was like, I can't remember if this is a weed muffin or a real muffin. So I just <laughs> ate half of it, thinking that would be fine. I was so fucked up, I couldn't even figure out how to take the BART train back to Oakland. But I remember that Christmas, we were going out for Chinese food, and my brother was there. And they had, like, a full muffin. And I think Wackerly was just like, Jeffrey, I dare you to eat that. And my brother ate the entire muffin. I ate half, and I was fucked. Remember they ate the entire muffin? Barely even affected him. I was about to say, your brother is very seasoned. He has been not not taking drugs since he was 16. Has I was your thinking brother like, ever been sober for longer than a week since he was 16? I was thinking compared to the rest of the drugs in his system, that was probably kind of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it probably like evened it all out. Yeah, it was like, it's pretty, it, was like it, it barely even affected him. Anyway. God bless you. He just came, he just came to my place. Just uh, It was like 1130 or something. He came, and uh, I was, like, having a drink with my roommates and having cookies, and then he went straight to bed, and I found that a little bit weird because we actually, we did not, we did not live together. It was, he was not even my boyfriend. That is weird. Just somebody I'm fucking. So, wait, wait. This is some guy that she's fucking. He comes over and just goes to bed at her place? 
Yeah, and doesn't even like hang out with her properly. Or he just goes to sleep. Boner, I'd be like, what's boner, the just point? like goes straight I'd be to bed. Like, yeah, what's what? point in you coming over? I don't want to see you sleep. I, I like I dialed you for your dick. Yeah, that's now you're weird. asleep in my bed. That's not what I want. Hmm. Like, dick me or fuck off. Yeah, exactly. It's like, why would you go over there then? Yeah. Um, so I uh, <laughs> when when I went to bed because I felt like I was gonna die. I felt like I'm I'm dead, and I was just like a you know a spirit at that point. <laughs> She thought she was a spirit. I went to bed and I was looking at him, staring at him. And I'm at the edge of the bed. And then he woke up. He's like, um, uh, "What's wrong?" I said, "What's wrong?" She's just sitting there at the edge of the bed, staring at me while I'm sleeping. That's when I would have been like, "All right, I'm out of here." I, I mean, like, I mean, you so gotta. You, that's gotta be a weird sleep. way to wake up. You know, you're you're sitting here and you got the crazy bipolar person, borderline. Uh, who'd just been like all hopped up on uh, on the weed cookie. On the weeds. Yeah, on the on the marijuana cookie, just staring at you while you're sleeping. Yeah, I would have got the fuck out of there. I'm a ghost. I'm a ghost. Do you have a machete under your bed? And he started laughing. He's like, no, I don't have a machete. I'm actually squeamish. And then I said, that's exactly what a serial killer would say. So I went, <laughs> uh, I started looking for machete in my bedroom. I went, I I definitely would have left at this point. While she's running around the room maniacally looking for a machete, I would have just like slipped on my uh, like, pants I'm going to go and check the kitchen and the bathroom. See ya. Yeah, and then you would have heard my car just driving away. <laughs> yeah. Well, a Prius can't go. <laughs> no, it'd be a really quiet like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's part two. Guys, this fucking beeper, it, like, scares the shit out of me when I'm, like, when I'm in the middle of conversation. <laughs> Looking for machetes. Um, so, anyway, so this guy, he's like, uh, no, I don't have a machete. I'm Swedish and uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm pacifist. And I said, well, well, you say that, but what do you have to prove? Anyway, he, he could see that I was high. He's like, then you're a little bit high. So, um... It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. He was actually very sweet. I'm not going to hurt you. Um, just let it, you know, get out of your system. Wow, this guy is tolerant. I would like. I've been around. I've had several girlfriends freak out on acid trips and mushrooms, and I've also had, um, you know, people, you know, that girls I didn't know that were hanging out with us that flipped out. Typically, when someone flips out, I just leave. Because I'm like, I don't want to deal with this. It's going to harsh my mellow. It, yeah, it, it kills my buzz. So I just, I'm always like, you've got to look out. In the words of Eddie and the Hot Rods, you got to look out for number one. I just get the fuck out of there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to split. Like, I remember in college when you're in someone's dorm room and someone starts crying or whatever. It's like, all right, that's my cue to leave. I am the worst. But when someone starts crying, I am literally the worst person you want there. I, I don't know what to do with you. What am I? What? What? Are you crying? I'm not crying. Like, let's just watch Dirty Dancing or something. I just, I just don't know how to deal. Well, that's when I put a butthole surfers record on really loudly, and just that's a good way to back. deal with it. Yeah. So like, isn't this a great, great band that we can all enjoy? It's a great band to listen to when your head's full of crying. like three tabs of acid. It's, it's always a good time. <laughs> Said okay. So it got out of my system, and it was actually kind of nice after I ca- I calmed down. The next Did you find day, a machete? My roommate no accused machete. him of stealing her pot. And then he was like, oh, fuck this. 
And uh, that's it. That was the last time I saw him. Poor kid. And wait, wait, wait. This guy, this poor guy, he goes over to your house. No, he's not a poor guy. He goes up to a house, doesn't fuck it, sleeps, and then he wakes up when she's wrecked, and she's like, she's on a different level because she's been staying up, uh, like eating weed edibles and getting really, really wrecked. It's his fault for going to bed. Okay, I think it's a a completely different interpretation of the facts that she presented. This guy goes over to us. They're they're just like what casual, like hooking up every now and then. He's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to go get my dick sucked. I'm going to go over there. He goes over there. She's high as a kite, just running around the room, looking for a machete, speaking in tongues. He sees her. He's like, I'm going to take a nap till this wears off, and then I'm going to get my dick sucked. Meanwhile, he wakes up an hour later with her just staring at him while he's sleeping, asking him where the machete is. (laughs) Yeah, if I was that guy, I would have got the fuck out of there. Instead, he's like, calm down. You're just... You know, these are the uh, the effects of marijuana. Let's just like ride through this together and you'll be okay. And then her roommate's like, you took my drugs. Fuck this, dude. Go find another you, one. Go find another side You know hoe. what you should always do? This is what I, and it does work for me. If you're ever in that really bad marijuana stage where you're fucking paranoid, you feel like shit and everything's out to get you, you have to eat carbohydrates. It's the only thing that will like switch you out of it. Like how if you're in a bad acid uh, high orange juice stops it. You got to eat some carbs. I always thought orange juice exacerbates, like kicks it in. No, I thought it was the opposite. I might be mistaken. I thought, on it, that, I thought it dulled you mellow. Now, from what I from my, what I recall is when you're starting to trip and you you don't know if it's actually happening or not. Drink a thing of orange juice and you'll like within like ten fifteen minutes it'll start going and you'll start Ooh. tripping. I, I thought I, it was I would the vitamin C rang in kicked it off. All their bad acid trips. Yeah, yeah. We, or, or how did you deal with somebody else having a bad acid trip? That's, That's what I want to hear. Even better because I've just walked out the room when it's happened and gone for walks in nature that lasted five hours. Yeah, I would have been like, I got to use the bathroom. That climbed out the window and just got in the Prius to go off. Okay, keep it sick, keep it wrong, and um, have an awesome day. Bye-bye. You know, I got to say, Dubai would be a very strange place to be on hallucinogenic drugs. Yeah, Z, can you teach us how to say sick and wrong in uh, Arabic? That would be pretty cool. I, I think I would be reluctant. I don't like usually doing drugs in other countries. I'll be honest, uh, Dubai, the Middle East, all very low on my list of places to go to. Maybe one day. But like, I like to go to countries where I can get really drunk. So why am I going to go to Dubai where I can't get really drunk? And you can you know actually, what I mean? you can make out in public. I want to make out in public. I want to like do what I want. Like that's why I love Eastern Europe because beer costs 50 pence a pint. You can get absolutely sauced. All the locals are really fucking sauced with you. It's a total party. Don't you get like in prison, they cut your hand off if you make out in public? Something like that. Maybe for certain circumstances they probably do. But I think they're probably lenient towards it. I'm pretty sure that if I set foot in Dubai, they would lock my diamond level pussy up. I do want to check out Dubai one of these days. I, I've heard that I think a lot of things about. I've heard a lot of things about the 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 mall that's there where you can like ski inside of it. Um, weird, like uh, a friend it's of mine. It's also fakes. I would love to see it because it's like a total fake place in the world. Yeah, everything is like uh, fabrication, like simulacrum. It's really, it's just really bizarre. And then like dudes are cruising around in like you know Mercedes SUVs with cheetahs. 
Like they have cheetahs as pets yes. and and falcons and things like it's. I would like to see it. But God forbid once. you show a fucking ankle. Yeah. Prison. Yeah. Anyway, people call Sick Wrong Hotline 323-522-4032. Um, second show this week. Hell of a show. Hell of a show. We do an entire second show. An entire like hour and a half program on uh, Patreon. And uh, we put it out every week just like we do the main show. And it's, it's, it's a bit saucier. It definitely is a bit saucier. This week we chatted about my brother's recent motorcycle accident. Yeah, the guy, he broke his collarbone and six ribs. Very suspicious. Very suspicious yeah, that's details. Yeah, I'm laughing. I'm not laughing at Jeffrey getting hurt. I am laughing about what Jeffrey thinks caused the accident. Yeah, he'll be okay, but it's a very suspicious circumstance. Um, also, we talk about uh, Kate's upcoming trip to Los Angeles. Uh, we will be doing some traveling to go to San Francisco uh, for Ozzy's birthday. Um, Kate's going to meet my entire family and friends. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. I'm I'm gonna be fine. I'm if anything, I'm gonna alienate them. <laughs> That's not gonna be difficult. Um, we also talk about JoJo Kelly's experience at the Rainbow last weekend. We're at the Rainbow yeah. Bar, and some guy totally just swooped swooped in and took a woman from him. Yeah, a woman who kind of looked a bit like Ringo Starr. So jo- JoJo <laughs> wasn't that upset, but it's the principal. It's uh, JoJo. yeah, this guy just swooped in. Anyway. Um, go ch- go check that out, and uh, that's only five bucks a month. You get access to uh, uh, Second Wrong Second Show, and for a few bucks more, you get our Second Wrong News segment. Uh, this week, we we're talking about uh, Super Bowl theme stories. Fourteen hundred dollars is what people are paying for parking spaces around uh, the stadium, Sophie Stadium, where the Super Bowl is going to be. Also, Eminem opened up a Mom's Spaghetti Pop Up downtown L.A. There's an old-fashioned book burning in Nashville. And apparently Nancy Pelosi has a Gaz Poncho police. They go around testing the uh, temperature of your Gaz Poncho. And if it's not correct, you get arrested. That's how it happens. Also, um, at the $10 tier, you get uh, access to Sick and Wrong Overkill, Sick and Wrong Minnesota. Uh, this week, you're talking about Mark Gator Rogowski, the infamous skateboarder. Yeah, I, I think he. I would probably say that he not only pretty much took vert skating to what it is today he kind of helped invent it there was moves named after him yeah no, that, that guy definitely was one of the uh the innovators um what's the what's the documentary on that guy it's called stoked the rise and fall of gator rise and fall of gator so go check that out people um also you know one thing this is funny some guy pointed this out on facebook he said that if uh we hit our goal on patreon I said I was going to digitize my bar mitzvah videotape, <gasps> which I think I, it's on like VHS, and I know I have Even it. Even I've never seen it. I haven't watched it in years. I think my sister has it like in a storage shed or something. But you know what? I will, I'll make a decree, an official decree. About, I, think, I think we had an original goal. If we, if we, I don't remember what the goal was. I think, if we, I think we said that if we hit like two grand, maybe $2,000, and maybe it was $2,500, um, we'd build like a, uh, a studio. Well, we're still like going to do a that. Wrong studio. So over. Yeah, but I think the official decree is if we hit our original goal, which we've never hit, but we're not that far away from now. I think we're only a few hundred dollars shy of hitting the $2,000 a month. If we hit our original goal, I will digitize my bar mitzvah tape and save <gasps> it and share it with the patrons. 
It's going to be a pain in the ass because I got to go get it and pay for it to be digitized. But I will digitize my bar mitzvah tape. It is funny. Uh, I want to see that. I need to see that. Oh, I love the goal. patron as well. I say it every week on Overkill, but I do love the patron and I love all the patrons. So thanks for being there, guys. The only reason the show keeps going on is because of those. Yeah, well, we do appreciate the support. Um, you, keep the, you keep the show going. Uh, Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Sign up today. There's a lot of content there. Also, if you want to buy some Sick and Wrong merch, you can go to the Tee Public store. Just go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. And there's all sorts, a whole variety of Sick and Wrong merch to choose There's from. also a sale going on. Yeah, I'm sure there is. There, there is actually is. a sale. I is there right now? I sent to somebody today, and it was like there's a 33% off sale. Oh, wow. Yeah. God, tons of sales. <laughs> yeah. um, sick and Wrong Song of the Week here. So Betty Davis who uh, some people might know her. Some people might recognize that name. Uh, she was like, one, I think one of the most famous female funk performers from the 70s. Queen um, of funk. Yeah, queen of funk. She died uh, just on February 9th. Uh, apparently she uh, succumbed to uh, a battle of cancer. She was 77 years old. Uh, by the end of the 70s, so she had lived like, it, what a crazy life this woman had. Um, I think at one point she was living in London, doing music, she was a fashion model, she was married to Miles Davis, she dated Jimi Hendrix, and then by the end of the 70s, she stopped performing music, moved back to Homestead, Pennsylvania, where she was a town right outside of Pittsburgh, and lived there till she died, just this past February, or February 9th. I know her mainly through her fashion stuff, like if people don't know her, all her fashion work is fucking amazing. Like, that's how I first knew her before I even knew that. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful woman. Uh, she was a model in the 60s, and that's where she met Miles Davis, who was like 20 years older than her. Um, and she began dating him in like the like 1968. But what's interesting about that is she introduced Miles Davis, and he's credited for this. Um, she's introduced, she introduced him to Jimi Hendrix and uh, Sly Stone, who uh, she was friends with at the time. And so people say that it was through these introductions is what led to like Miles Davis to start making the like funky, funkier records, you know, that he did uh, later yeah. on um, and just kind of expand his horizons a bit. Uh, the Miles Davis album, Phyllis de, de uh, Kilimanjaro uh, features a photo portrait of Betty on the cover. And he even named a song after her. Um, he said that she was too young and too wild and he accused her of having an affair with Jimi Hendrix, which hastened the end of their marriage. She denied the affair, and she said, I was so angry with Miles when he wrote that. It was disrespectful to to both Jimi and me. Miles and I broke up because of his violent temper. Miles is very tempestuous. I can totally agree with that. But come on, you're fucking Jimi Hendrix. If Jimi Hendrix is in the room, you're shagging him. He was gorgeous. Um, after accusing her of adultery, he filed for divorce in 1969. And uh, he said, this is what Miles Davis said, I'm just not the kind of cat to be married. I agree with that. Which maybe make, makes sense. Miles. Now, Jimi Hendrix and Miles still remain close, and they even plan to record until Hen- Hendrix's uh, death. But people say, you know, the influence of Hendrix and Sly Stone led to his uh, album Bitches Brew, which is a great, great record. came out in 1970. Um, that's they say that's what ushered in the era of jazz fusion. Um, he wanted to call it witch's brew, but Betty said he should call it bitch's brew. Bitch's brew, yeah. it's way better. Gotta um, have a chick one. 
you know, kind of uh, surprisingly, she actually ended up marrying, briefly, she didn't marry him, but she dated musician Eric Clapton. Which is Ew. Weird. Yeah. She refused to collaborate with him, though, which is Good. cool. <laughs> um, I bet she was just like, this is my guilty little secret. I'm just going to have a bit of Eric. On- he's really tall. <laughs> like, I'm- he's got good drugs. This is just my guilty secret. In 1975, she was romantically involved with Robert Palmer. <gasps> Who's very sexy, and I love Robert Palmer, also a friend of my dad's. And he helped her uh, secure a deal with Island Records, where she released her album Nasty Gal, which is a great Betty Davis record. Uh, she died just this past February at her home in Homestead, Pennsylvania, from uh, from cancer at the age of 77. So we're going to end the show here with Betty Davis's anti-love song uh, for Valentine's Day. So rest in peace, Betty Davis. People will be back next week with episode 831. Till then, take it sleazy. No, I don't want to love you. Cause I know how you are That's why I've been staying away from you That's why I haven't called you Cause I know you could possess my body I know you could make me scroll I know you could have me shaking I know you could have me climbing walls That's why I don't want to love you Cause I know how you are Sure you say you're right on and you're righteous But with me I know you'd be right off Cause you know I could possess your body too, don't you? You know I could make you crawl And just as hard as I'd fall for you, boy Well, you know you'd fall for me hard That's why I don't wanna love you you do to my heart you scorch it just like a hot eye leave me burning alone in the dark cause I know you could make me suffer Uh, I know you could drive me mad Uh, I know you just take me in a circle Make your pocket your
to do this because uh, atheist preacher has been a long time supporter of this show he is on the highest tier of patrons so you have to do this for him you have to sing devil woman just just a couple devil woman by uh cliff richard by cliff you have to just sing a couple of lines i can't sing that she's just a devil woman he's looking up the words yeah (laughs) I think there's some karaoke of me singing that. D can't actually read the chat. I'm the only person who can read the chat. Yeah, I don't have it open right now. I'm on a different computer. Yeah, so I'm on my phone. So I have to relay the messages back. Yeah. All right. Oh, wow. Do you know Marty Robbins covers that song? Uh, Marty Robbins, I love Marty Robbins. She's just a devil woman with evil on her mind. Beware the devil woman. Oh She's going to get you from behind. <laughs> She's going to get pegged by that devil woman. That's what happens. That's what the devil is into. The devil is clearly into pegging. Well, I think what's the devil woman is going to strap one on and get you from behind. That's what this song's about. It's about pegging. It was a more innocent time back then when Cliff Richard was allowed to nonce children. Nowadays, he's not, and that's why he lives in the Caribbean. I like how the the end of the song is just that verse, that chorus, just over and over and over again. But I like the part... Going to a fade out. No, I think he just says it in the end. My favorite part of the song, though, when he's like, crystal ball on the table. It's the bridge. It's like, crystal ball on the table, showing the future, the past. Same cat with them evil lies. You better get out of there fast. Because you're about to get pegged. By the devil woman. The devil woman. She's got a strap on and she's going to sodomize you. That's what happens. Good for, good for her. Good for the devil. Because that is what the devil should do. He's cool, but he's also evil. 